Um, I think uh, we will open. Thank you, Lori. That was an elegant solution. We'll open with a word of prayer after we tell these small children that they can head on out to Children's Church. Uh, I am going to be sitting through the sermon again. I've been told that I preach better when I sit down. Uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is. Uh, I'm going to turn that off. But sitting is, I guess, the way it's going to be. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray as the, as the small children head on out. Bye, guys. I don't know who you're following, just whoever seems to know where they're going. Keel, did the camera shut off? Oh, I see you up there. I'm like, as soon as is when it happens. Uh, let's pray for the message today. Um, Heavenly Father, I, uh, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would uh, be with me. Help me to um, just unpack your scriptures, unpack your gospel share the word. Help me to um, say what you desire me to say, Lord. Um, it's, it's not always easy to know. It's not always easy to be clear on, on what it is that, that your Holy Spirit leads and, and what it is that's, that's me and what it's you. And, and Lord God, I pray that you just take me out of the way. Um, help me to be uh, your voice. Help me to be uh, faithful in sharing the gospel. I pray that you'd be with uh, the folks who are here, that the soil in their hearts would be good soil, that they would uh, hear from you, that they would know you, that the seeds that are spread and planted, Lord God, that would, they would grow into something great. Help us to trust you in that process. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I, uh, is my daughter in here or she wandered off? She's downstairs in nursery. I, uh, I, so I have Facebook. Some of y'all have Facebook, you, you know, and they get this feature where things pop up and you get to see uh, yesteryear's pictures. You know, you posted this 20 years ago. You posted, which is depressing that that's a thing, like, but I, I think 18 or, not 18, I'm not quite that far, but it's pretty far back. Like, I, I think that was MySpace, which uh, I don't have a MySpace page. I don't think I do, but maybe I do. Uh, but... Um, there are all of these old pictures that pop up, like the a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago now, uh, there was a picture of Abby uh, wrapped in blankets because when we came here to interview, we were not uh, prepared for Montana weather. Uh, it was much colder here than we anticipated, and we came anyway, which is because we thought God wanted us to come. But there's a picture of I saw this picture of Abby wrapped in blankets, and you can barely see her eyes in all of it. And Jess is holding her, and she's wearing Ann's coat and hat, and we're out in the uh, uh, corral, I guess, uh, seeing uh, cows. And I, 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 I remember that, and I remember Abby being so doggone little when we came, and uh, like dealing with this one-year-old as we're driving cross-country, and, and um, I think about that. And then a few weeks ago, or months ago now, golly, time's going by so fast, Abby got dressed to go to her first dance uh, despite my vehement objections, uh, I thought we might become Baptists, so she's not allowed to dance. I'm joking. I couldn't tell her what to do. Um, but she walked in wearing this dress, and I uh, had a pause moment. You ever, you know what I'm talking about? The 
wait, when did this happen? Right? Like, what on earth just happened? Like, when did you become, a, you know, a young lady? Like, how did this, how did this take place? And it's, I guess I see her every day, and I, I, I still see her most days as the little girl who watched the Muppet Show in my office downstairs when my office was the nursery before it became the old nursery. Uh, but she just, like, I, I, I don't think I could have done anything to stop it. Like, I, I probably could have done something to stop it, but that's not a whole, that's a, like, there's nothing I could do to affect it. She was going to grow up, right? And it, it being Mother's Day, like, I, I appreciate that about, uh, about my mom. I appreciate it about my wife as she deals with our kids. Like, there is a process that is going to happen. It is going to happen. And it is automatic it is natural, and like kids, they grow up, and you can feed them whatever, and they will still grow up. Sometimes they grow out, but they generally grow up. And like, like you do the best you can, but there's a whole chunk of it that you can only do so much, and the rest is out of your hands. And I, I am blown away by how uh, a lot of the moms I've met here, and as I've watched my own kids grow up and watched my wife, like, like how my wife is, is just willing to trust that God is going to take care of our kids sometimes. Um, willing to trust that, like, you know, God, God's got a plan. He's doing all this. It'll be okay. You know, or uh, sitting in hospitals with Carly uh, and Yancey over the years and hearing Carly say, you know, it's all right. God's got this. You know, this is, this is you know, it is okay. God has this. And, and, like, there's a part of that. It happens with all children. They grow up. And you can't control it. It's all in God's hands. You couldn't make it happen if you tried, right? You couldn't slow it down if you tried. You could stop it, but that's another conversation again. Uh, though sometimes you maybe want to do it. Um, we're looking at the parable of the seed this morning. Um, this is a parable that only appears in Mark. And I'm of the opinion, oh my gosh, how did we get there? Can you bump me back? Sorry, I'm on the title slide. Uh, we're in Mark, 20, or Mark chapter 4, 26 to 29. If you've got a Bible in front of you, if you brought one, open to it. Uh, I want to emphasize this. I'm going to try and emphasize it every week. Um, if you have a Bible, bring it with you. Take notes, underline. Like, I, I put it on the screen because I think it's important and also because I read the slides and that's how I know what I'm saying. Uh, but opening your Bible and looking at it and doing that, like, daily is a part of the process, and we'll get to that in a bit. But we're looking at the parable of the seed. It is only in the Gospel of Mark, and like this section, it fits in in sort of a like just beautiful and interesting way. And very much so, you could clip the lamp story out and put it right next to the parable of the soils. And it almost feels like a continuation. And the lamp story, like, fits in there in a really neat way. And we're going to get to that. But, like, this parable, it seems like flyover country. You know what I mean? You ever get in an airplane and, like, there's, like, 80% of America that's just, you know, flat and empty? Uh, checkerboard. That's where we live. I, and until you get up close, you don't realize how beautiful it is, how amazing it is, how, how spectacular God's work is. And, and as we dive into the seed parable, that is the idea here. The main point of this message, so here it is. I, I, I want to sum it all up in a couple of lines, like a couple of sentences. Um, 
the uh, and there's a weird word in there that's not a word at all, and I don't know what that says. Um, like our job as believers is to preach the gospel, right? We are to spread the seed. We are to tell people about Jesus. That is our job. Um, the miracle is the word. Like we're, we're to preach the gospel and to make disciples, but the miracle of new life in Christ, the miracle of God's work in people's heart, of all the stuff that happens, that miracle is God's. In the same way, when you have a kid, that kid grows up and you can't stop it. All of the growth, all of the aging, all of the, like, like everything, the biological process, it is automatic. And one day you look up and Abby's, you know, almost a teenager. And you think, what happened? How did I blink that long? You know, weren't you playing with blocks this morning? How did this happen? But these things happen because God is a part of the process. New life in Christ, maturing in Christ, all of this stuff is a product of God working. And there's, like, we have to understand that as we deal with the kingdom around us, as we operate in the kingdom around us. I'm going to tell you, this is a text that I studied, and it beat the heck out of me. Every time I opened it, it, like, backed me in the corner and punched me 12 or 14 times. And so I'm going to do my best to, like, stay separate from it, but you're going to hear a little bit of Eric this morning, and I'm sorry. Uh, You hear a lot of me anyway. I just... So we can pray, we can employ, we can bring out our spiritual wisdom, um, but the growth itself and the harvest are the only thing we have. Like the growth itself is God's deal. The harvest we can do, the growth is his. That's it. We have nothing else. Um, So a little bit of background, the parables. Um, We've talked about this before. I didn't just step out of camera, did I? Uh, The parables, Um, Jesus has switched to parables. They are usually at the end of a teaching, and they are told for the purpose of, like, pushing the listener into a place of decision. As Jesus is using parables, he's not teaching. He's just telling parables. And so, like, part of the point of this is there are a bunch of people who are listening that ain't going to get it. And, like, he's sort of obscuring the truth from those who are too hard-hearted to hear it. And we talked about this in relation to... Uh, the parable of the soils in relation to the parable of the lamp, like, like, and it still plays in here. Just understand these stories. This is a very standard Jewish teaching model. It's a very standard way of doing things, but it's to make you make a choice. But he's hiding the choice from people. He's not telling them the whole truth. He's keeping the the truth of the kingdom come a secret. And what's the truth of the kingdom come? It is that Christ Himself is God, and He's shown up in the flesh. And he is present. And so that is God's kingdom invasion into the world is Jesus. Um, And so the parables we've looked at so far are the parable of the good soil. We all know this one. I'm not really capping the whole thing. I'll touch on it later. The parable of the lamp, which is put up high to illuminate everything. And the lamp is Jesus. And now we have the seed. And, like, it's important to understand these all connect. Mark lines these up for a reason. Can you bump me forward one? Uh, Mark 26 to 29. I'm going to read the whole thing. Because it is so doggone short that to not read it feels silly. Got it? Um, And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. 
super short. Now, let's see if we can talk about it for an hour. Um, joking. I actually don't know what time I started, and I didn't do the timer, so y'all are at my mercy at this point. It's 5 to noon. I think I just started. Stop it. You're the one who's going to give me grief if I, like, get self-conscious about it. Um, so we're going to jump into some key ideas. First off, um, I, I studied a sermon by uh, Charles Spurgeon, and he divided this text into what you can do, what you can't do, right? That's it. And I'm sure every farmer in the world knows. You stick seeds in the ground. Like Ross used to tease me that I never work. You're a pastor. You work one day a week. And I'm like, you're a farmer. You work two times a year. You stick seeds in the ground, and then you cut them. That's it. And, of course, that's nonsense, right? Like you work constantly. You guys work more than anybody I know. Um, The idea here is, um, yes, we can do a lot of things along the way, right? And first off, we can preach the gospel. And that's the message behind, like, what can we do? We can preach the gospel. We can scatter seeds. We can spread them. That's what the parable of the soils is about. We can live in a way that points to Christ, and we can love people, and we can serve them, and we can tell them, hey, you know what? Like, Christ died for you. And, like, it's a free gift, salvation, like being made brand new, being washed in the blood, like the whole nine yards free gift. You don't have to do anything to get it. You just have to have faith and believe. And I I said that in front of a group once and somebody got really upset with me. And they're like, no, you have to do stuff. And it's like, no, if you do stuff like on your own, you can force it for sure. But like plants grow. Ain't nothing Abby could do to get bigger. Titus couldn't do anything to get bigger, right? He could sit up and he could listen and grow spiritually, and that's a choice he makes. But, like, ideally, the people around him and the Holy Spirit would nudge him in that direction. But, like, it's all God, right? Like, like we make our choices and we respond to the Holy Spirit. We do the things we do. But the Holy Spirit is what's moving. The Holy Spirit is what's making that happen. We cannot stop our children from growing. We cannot make them grow. In the same way, we farmers, y'all can't make stuff grow, right? You can't. Um, It grows or it doesn't. It works or it doesn't. You put stuff in the ground and then, and I suspect, now here, watch this. I suspect that one of the things that happens is, and this is me, okay? I, my father told me this week I'm too clever by half. Um, I like to think I can do anything, right? I like to think that if I say the right words or do the right things or whatever, I can fix anything. And you know what that is? It's me looking at me. Because at the end of the day, people's hearts are changed by the Holy Spirit. The only thing I can do is tell people about Christ. I can tell them we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sin in our lives. We are all broken. We are born dead in our sins. We carry that death with us. We spread it out. Sometimes it gets worse, and we dump it on the people around us, and we hurt them. Like, sin is a part of the world that we live in. But God loves you so much that he came as one of us. He sent his son to die and take sin on himself and be punished. The scriptures say that like he became sin that knew no sin. And like like God looked at him and saw all of our sin and poured his wrath out on him. He looks at me and he sees Jesus' righteousness. 
and I'm forgiven. And you can be forgiven too. That is our seeds, right? And I might be clever about how I spread my seeds. I might look for the right soil, right? In the same way that I'm guessing when Callan is having the auto drive do its thing on the, on the cedar. It's an auto drive, right? Uh, he can hit the button and make it seed in the road, right? But he's going to look and say, yeah, maybe seeding in the road ain't going to work. He can look at that field over there and say, you know what? There's a lot of salt. It's or sodium, alkaline, alkaline on the top of it. Maybe it's not time to plant barley there. We'll, we'll do peas. He can be clever about it. He can go through and spray. He can water. But you know what? It's going to grow it or ain't, and it's going to do it on its own without him. Um, and I think it's funny. I, I cannot grow stuff to save my life. Like when a normal person would plant something in the dirt and pour water on it, it would grow. And I have a, a field of death around me that like sucks the life. Like, I, like me preaching a sermon, I suck the life out of the room. And like plants, I, something about me doing it, it just sucks the life out of them. And they don't grow. Because ultimately I can't make them grow. I can't make dandelions not grow. And I can't make anything else grow. I'm not doing it. God's doing that part. It is apart from me. And so what we can do, we can preach the gospel. We can look for good soil. We can try and prepare soil in some places, right? We can employ techniques like an advanced learning to the process. Um, But that's only going to go so far. And the more we do it, the more we rely on our own cleverness, the less we rely on God the more we think, I got this, right? The more we think, I, I don't know, I'm not a great farmer, but I assume some people will look and say, I know how to do all the right things. I know when to spray. I know when to cut. I know when to do this. I know which field. I know that. I can tell you about soil pH. I can tell you about seasonal adjustments in weather. I can tell you about rain patterns. I can, you know, but at the end of the day, the soil is going to do its thing or it's not. and It's God's deal. Um, the rain comes Like, what is God's deal? Growth happens when it's God's deal. You cannot force it. You cannot make it happen. It just happens. And those techniques make us, sometimes can convince us that it's all us. Um, That was actually, uh, during the Second Great Awakening, there was a fellow, Charles Finney, who um, employed salesmanship in preaching. And in a lot of ways, like, like, brought a lot of people to Christ. In a lot of ways, like, really his legacy has hurt the church. Because we believe that if we put on a good enough circus will entertain people into faith in Christ. And that's just not how it works. The Holy Spirit does the work, period. Um, and so, like, but we can employ advanced techniques. We can be better speakers. We can, um, um, you know, like, look for the right opportunities. I, I've read several books on how to, like, share the gospel with someone and lead them to Christ. But, like, at the end of the day, those things, they only work or don't work based on the Holy Spirit in their life, based on the Holy Spirit making growth happen. Um, the other thing we can do, according to this parable, is we can harvest. Now, harvest in the scriptures is usually a reference to the end of the world. This is not the case in this particular text. In this particular text, it is a reference to discipleship. It is a reference to looking at somebody who has a faith in Christ and taking them and helping them mature and spread the gospel themselves. Right? Like, the growth process is new life in Christ, the budding faith, all of this other stuff, and then it is... Make them into disciples. Help them mature. The only other thing we can do, the only other thing we can do, which is not mentioned in the text, is we can pray. Right? 
I'm going to emphasize that. You're going to hear me say it a couple times today, okay? Like, we can pray. And the amazing thing about prayer is that it involves me not doing anything. And that's got to be miserable. I'm not a farmer. I cannot imagine what it's like. But I remember we had a really bad drought a few years ago, and I was talking to Larry about, like, trying to get people. He was saying, oh, I'm going to get people together, and we're going to pray. We're going to really go to God in prayer. And it's like, well, what are you going to do at that point, right? I, you ain't going to make it rain. You ain't going to, like, divert the river. I mean, you could divert the river, I guess, but you'd probably go to jail because it's not a thing you can just do. Um, or people might try to stop him. Um, but you can't. Like, there's only so much you can do. Eventually, it's God's deal. Eventually, it's God's deal. You can – I actually – I read an interesting story about uh, a young man – uh, who grew up in like a peasant village, and he went to uh, an Orthodox church. And in Sunday school, he memorized scripture better than anyone else. And actually, he won awards and was able to recite entire books of the Bible as his education went on. And then he went to seminary because his mother really wanted him to go to seminary. She really wanted him to be an Orthodox priest. And eventually, he abandoned that calling when the seminary expelled him. And Joseph Stalin is not one of our heroes responsible for the death of literally like 20 million people. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. I read Gulag Archipelago. I got it from Duane, and it really, like, 30 million. Thank you. Like, the man was the devil. But he could quote scripture. His mom made sure he could. His mom made sure he went to seminary. But at the end of the day, like, there's a part of it where your children's hearts, you want them to grow up and be faithful. But who's responsible? God. But I read all the right parenting books. But I took that class. But I did this. But I did that. But they're God's kids. It's God's field. God brings growth. God brings new life in Christ. God brings great things or not. And we have to rely on them. And prayer, like we forget that, I think. And I think it can happen very quickly in the same way. And I'm not picking on you farmers. I'm saying there's a lot to modern farming. I listen to you guys talk and my eyes glaze over. I have no idea what you're talking about, right? But you have, like, everything figured out in so a hundred different ways. But at the end of the day, like, like, if we convince ourselves in the same way I as Pastor Eric, I can look around and say, I can counsel. I can offer advice. I can tell you exactly what to do in this situation. I need to be near everything because I have specialized education. You know what that is? It's arrogance. It is a tendency not to rely on God. It is. Prayer, prayer, prayer is the thing that, like, we go to God with and, and ask for a growth. We can employ our techniques. We have to do the work. We have to be smart. You can't, like, like I was talking to Dwayne about the spreading of the seeds in the, the parable of the soils and how, like, you know, it's a little ridiculous. Like, no modern farmer is going to just toss seed on the ground, right? Birds aren't eating it. That's not happening. Like, nobody would say, hey, we're going back to spreading seed by throwing it, Right? Like, because we have better ways to do it. Um, in the same way, like, as we learn stuff, we can employ that. That's not wrong. But at the end of the day, also, if we forget, if we fail to rely on God to bring harvest in the body of Christ, in the lives of those that we work with, we're on our own. It's foolish. Um, we're going to jump ahead to the next text. So, like, what can we do here? Oh, uh, this was what can we do? We're going to look at the text specifically. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
And then God does his part and a miracle happens. Right? But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. That is what we can do, guys. That's it. In the middle, we have a whole stretch of time where we can pray. But that's it. That's hard, isn't it? I'm not saying that, like, you tell your kids about Jesus and then abandon them for 20 years and hope that they know him, right? Like, that is not what I'm saying. No, TJ, bad advice. No. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. You raise them right. You model Christ for them. You bring them to worship and everything else. You plant seeds over and over and over again, and they grow to know Christ, but they grow to know Christ based on the Holy Spirit. You do the best you can. You do the best you can with what you've got, but at the end of the day, it belongs to Jesus. That's it. We can't affect it further. Isn't that discouraging? It shouldn't be discouraging. But from where I'm sitting, I like doing stuff. I like being clever by half, right? But what I do doesn't work because I can't perform miracles. The Holy Spirit can bring new life. I can't take rocks out of the field and turn them into followers of Jesus. But he can take stony hearts. He can take stony hearts. And he can take, you know, dead, lifeless soil and turn it into, like, a field of flowers or a field of grain or a field of whatever. Like, God can do that. And it's amazing. But I can't. All I can do is live looking like Christ and make disciples when the time comes. Um, So, the next key idea. What can't we do? All right, here it is. We can't do God's part. Everybody with me? (laughs) Like, we just can't do God's part. We can't. We can't. You cannot make somebody know Jesus. Um, our text there, Mark 20, or 4, 26 to 29, I just included the whole thing. And so, actually, this should be what we do, and then here's what God does, and then what we do at the end. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. That's what God does. He does the heavy lifting, right? Y'all are y'all farmers, you're involved in a manufacturing operation where the other guy who clocks in every day is God. But then you sometimes got to ask the question, who's in charge? Right? Do you believe you're in charge? Well, but I drive the tractor. But I do the sprayer. But I borrowed the money. But I picked the seeds. But I went to that dumb sales thing where the guy talked to me about eight different pesticides I might use or might not use. And then I had to interpret how much I'm not going to listen to the pesticide guy about how much to use. And, right, like that's a thing. I didn't just make that up. Dwayne told me. Uh, plus, I think Steve's a pesticide salesman, and I know I wouldn't listen to him either. Uh, Nothing. I was trying to wake you up. So, this is the part that God does. He does, I mean, which is more or less all of it, right? Now, at the time, at the time, Jesus is teaching this, and he is surrounded by people who believed that you could force God's hand. And those people exist today. At the time, the Pharisees and the rabbis taught that if Israel ever fully obeyed the Sabbath. And mind you, not the Sabbath as it's prescribed for ordinary people, but the Sabbath as prescribed for priests, which is like insane. 
But if they ever all just observed it, didn't even mean it, they just had to observe it, then the Messiah would come and God would fix the world. But because they couldn't and wouldn't and weren't, yeah, the Messiah wasn't coming. They believed that they could sort of midwife. I remember when uh, we were standing out there with Abby in the blankets and we were looking at cows having, having calves. And then, uh, like Abby, when she was born, it was like a, like a 52-hour labor. It was, it was brutal. I missed the Super Bowl hard. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I, I, what's wrong with me? I don't even know. But I, that night, I, uh, I went and drove around with Rebecca, and we looked at, at, for cows that were having babies. And there was a heifer out there who was like her first heifer baby thing, you know, like the first time she's going to have a calf. And they, they, she went and told her dad, and they, her and Daniel took the cow in. And because she was having trouble with the labor, they got her into a stall. And, man, that was hard to watch because they, like, you know how they get a cow into a stall? With a big stick, and they chase it around. And they hit it until it goes in the stall. Like, it's crazy. And it went in the stall, and they locked it in, and then they tied a chain around the ankle of that calf. And they tied the other end of the chain to a winch, and they yanked that cow out of her. Right? And I went and told Jess afterwards, like, Jess, next time. If we live here, it'll be so much easier. She did not find it as funny as I did. And Titus would be taller if we had done that. Although Josh arrived fully grown, so who knows. Um, (laughs) um, They believed that they could tie a chain around the kingdom of God and yank it into the world. Right? Right? There is a movement in the modern church that believes that if we ever take over the governments and turn, turn them all Christian and implement Christian laws and everything else, that, like, the second coming will happen. That's a real thing. I didn't make that up. There's a real thing. It's not Christian nationalism. It's not another nonsense you hear on the news. It is a real movement. And you know what? It's wrong. It just is. You can't force God to do anything. He's God. If you can force God to do something, you know what? He's not God. He's your butler or your pet, but he ain't God. Which is, by the way, farmers, you don't run the show. You're not in charge. If you missed that question, if you got it wrong earlier, I'm going to double back and tell you. If you said, oh, no, I'm in charge, God works for me, not a bit. Not a bit. He might cooperate with you, but he's in charge. And so it is with the church. So it is with the kingdom. So it is with new hearts. We cannot tie a chain around somebody's spiritual life and force it. It's hard. Because I want to do that. I want spectacular. But the reality is that that mentality of I can make God do my thing, I can force God's hand, I can bring the kingdom around on my timetable, um, it's a product of a modern idea. It's a product of the modern idea that we are in control, that we mastered nature, that we mastered our world. We abandon God. We've done it in the church. Programs and everything else. You know that every major revival that has ever happened in the history of Christianity started um, with a long period of people praying. That's it. That's it. It's the one common factor in every revival. People pray. And they pray, and they pray, and they pray, 
and then God does stuff. And usually it's praying for a long time in hard places, alone and destitute and heartbroken. Um, because God provides the growth. First uh, Corinthians 3 tells us this. Uh, the church is fighting. They're like, some guys are saying, I follow Apollos. And some people are like, I follow Paul. And Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who planted nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. I think sometimes believers get it in their head that they will uh, arrive in heaven with a Methodist logo or a Church of God logo or, you know, Eric tattooed on your arm if you're lucky. Uh, But in reality, you go out to a field and you will not find a single chickpea with Tice's name on it, right? Or a single, you know, piece of barley with, uh, I don't know, Larry's name on it. None of it. It doesn't happen. Because you may spray, you may drive the tractor, you may seed, you may harvest, you may do all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, that stuff grows because God made it grow. You can even fiddle around with the DNA of the stuff that you're putting in the ground, and it ain't going to change nothing because it will not grow if God doesn't decide it grows. Period. Um, can you? So we can't do God's heart. We cannot force God's hand through earthly power um, or through technique or anything else. We cannot make God do anything. That's it. The only thing we can do is rely on God. Right? In Paul's version, watering, I think, is continuing to preach the gospel. It is maturing people in the faith through investing in discipleship. It is like walking together as the family of God and helping each other grow. That is what that is. In this one, if you're going to water, watering is prayer. That's it. Um, actually, several people have said to me when I was doing the soil sermon, one of the like the recurring theme, all you need to do to have a seed grow is a seed and no, you don't even need soil. Did you know that? All you need is water. And a seed will begin to grow with just water. Because the seed has everything inside it in order to grow. In fact, actually, the word, the Greek word that Jesus uses for seed is where we get the word automated, auto, automatic, because the seed is an automated process. The gospel, in the very same way, through the Holy Spirit, is a process that we don't affect. It does it itself. We cannot. We can pray and we can preach the gospel and we can act like Jesus. We can sure as heck push people away. The church has been doing it for a long time. We can act judgmental. We can act hypocritical. We can act unloving. We can fight with each other. We can do all kinds of stuff. But when we act like Christ, when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and change us and turn us into him. And then we tell people about Jesus. And some people are going to do it with the big bud. And get out there and they're going to have the huge wide thing. And they're going to, like the 80 foot implement. That's right, 80 feet? No, that's, you own it, not Mark. Uh, the 80-foot implement, and you're seeding, and you're putting out a ton of stuff. Some people can do that. And some of them are like kids in kindergarten, right? 
you ever do that where you put the seed in like the paper towel and you wet the paper towel and it starts growing? Some of us, some of us are in that spot, but all of us can seed. All of us can plant. All of us can tell people about Jesus. We can't make it grow. It's all the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in gospel tracts. It drives me nuts that people put out pieces of paper um, and say, oh, well, you know, this will convert someone. You know how I uh, like prayed to accept Christ ultimately? Gospel tract. Because his seeds and plants will grow anywhere. It's crazy. Even in my heart. Um, what we are called to do is just rely on God. That is all we can do. In this church, all we can do is rely on God. What does this have to do with anything? Well, I preach all the time. I, I tell you guys about Jesus. I break out the scriptures. We go through it. But all I can do is lean on him. All I can do is look to him. I can't make anybody believe. I can't make anybody confess. I can't make anyone say... I'm broken and I need Christ to heal me. I need the church to stand around me and keep me upright. I, I need help with this. And like the body of Christ will rally around them and walk with them and they'll come to know and heal and mature and become more and more like Christ as we pull the rocks out of their soil. I, I can't do the part that makes them move. I cannot do the part that brings them to life. And it's hard because I want to. Like it is my biggest shortfall in sin in life. I want to do everything. And I confess that to you guys like the Holy Spirit's the only one who can do this. And for that we need to pray. I can't make you pray. Right? I can't. Just can't. The Spirit will move and you'll pray or you won't. There it is. That's what watering is for the seed though. Like it's prayer. Lots and lots of prayer. It's the only thing we can bring to the table. Pray, 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 pray. Um, we're going to skip over the First Corinthians. Actually, no, we're not. This is, uh, we're going to do this quick. I'm not going to read it. This is Paul talking. He's got this thorn in his side. And in the end, he says, listen, this thorn, this thing that was messing with me, whether it was epilepsy or blindness or malaria or whatever, like some secret sin he struggled with. He says, Satan put this in me and I was suffering. And three times I begged God to take it away from me. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, my power is made complete in your weakness. What does that mean? It means when I can't do something, when I accept that I can't do something, then God can act. I can get out of his way and I can rely on him and I can point him and say, see that field? See how great it is? God did that. That's humbling. It's humbling when you see somebody growing spiritually and you've got to back up and say, all I did was put the seed down. I did a little bit of spraying. I did a little bit of weeding, and that's it. That's what I did. It's God's deal. He made it grow. Now, the tricky part for us is that we don't want to be in that spot where we say God's in control. His power is made complete in our weakness. It's, it's hard. I don't want to do that. Anybody? No one? No volunteers? But new life begins with that. It begins with opening your hands and saying, I cannot do this, God. You fix it. It begins with going to other people and saying, guys, I'm dying in my sin and I need you to help me. I'm dying in my depression. I'm dying in my, my pornography. I'm dying in this secret nonsense that I keep hidden. It is killing me. And I can't keep doing this. I need help. And I'll tell you, Christ forgives you. And in confessing to a brother, we stand around you and we carry you. We harvest. It's the only other thing we can do. 
If you believe in Christ, stand near other people and talk about it. If you struggle with sin, stand near other people and talk about it. You will not accomplish this on your own. The church exists for a reason. Uh, so, reading it in context, we gotta we got to run through this real quick. And I know I'm long, but I think I started late. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep talking because I don't care. Um, so, there. Um, the parables and the limits of our ability to make things grow. So there's kind of a cool thing here where Jesus says, hey, why are you, they say, why are you teaching in parables? And he says, I am teaching in parables to hide the truth. You know who can reveal the truth to these folks? That's right. Good Sunday school answer. The Holy Spirit can reveal it. That's it. That's it. Jesus could talk in parables. People could be filled with the Spirit. They could come to understand it. And that's it. The Holy Spirit's the only thing. And so, like, the disciples are like, why aren't you teaching harder? Why aren't you teaching more directly? You could convince the Pharisees. He's like, the Pharisees have hard hearts. They don't care. Only the Holy Spirit will change them. Only that. We cannot change people. Only the Holy Spirit can change. We cannot change their hearts. And there are people around us who will have problems in their hearts that will keep them from knowing him, but only the Holy Spirit. Our limited ability... Um, you want to bump me ahead one more time? Um, so the next thing we need to do is we need to view everything in the light of the lamp. What does that mean? The lamp is Jesus, right? And we need to look and say, this is Jesus' deal. This is part of where I struggle. I want to drive. I want to drive, and I don't want anybody to tell me how to drive. Like, I'm the worst person to drive with because I'm a terrible driver, and I hate when people... I felt like lying in the middle of the sermon would be bad. I'm a terrible driver. And I hate backseat driving. It is a zero to 60 angry moment for me if you tell me how to drive. I don't want to hear it. I'll figure it out. If I'm lost, I'll figure it out. I don't care. I will do it. I don't want, I don't want it. But in reality, Christ is the light that reveals this truth. Christ is the sun that helps plants grow. Christ is the rain that pours on them and brings life. He is the seeds that revives them. He is everything. And so, like, we need to look at all of this in light of that lamp. The farmer plants his seeds night and day, goes to sleep, gets up. He can't do anything about it. It's going to grow on its own because Christ is doing the heavy lifting. That is it. Because while we were helpless, I think it's Romans, says Christ died for us. While we are helpless to do anything, Christ died for us. And everything we do in ministry, everything we do in our kids' lives, everything our moms do, everything you know the preacher does, everything is Christ. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of everything. Um, in, in terms of the soils, we can help a little bit. Because it would be foolish to abandon some common sense stuff, right? We can break up hard-packed soil by, by talking to people about the law. Golly, that's awful. You know, the law is like the most painful part. I remember when I was quitting drinking and I read the scriptures all the way through, I read the law and I was depressed because I was like, man, I can't do any of this. We can talk about that and we can talk about grace, tilling the soil. We can hold people accountable, which is hard and it hurts. Like we can do that. We can aid in tilling when God calls us to. We can't force it because if we try to do God's thing for him, we don't do anything but damage. And there are people who do that. People who, like, call everyone a sinner when they come near them and cast judgment on everyone. And you're going to hell. Or, like, the 
Baptist guys, you got Westboro? Um, you know, they, they would hold up signs, God loves dead soldiers. It's like, what? You're not bringing people to Christ. That's not happening. Um, we can help people identify their rocks and dig them out. That is a big thing. Sometimes I need people to look at me and say, Eric, you have rocks in your heart and in your head. Eric, stop trying to control everything. Eric, back up and shut up and let other, you know, let God do his thing. Eric, stop trying to control. Eric, this, Eric, that. And I need that. I don't like it. Do it nicely. We can point out weeds and we can help pull them. Um, and ultimately, we can trust God and pray. The most powerful thing you can do is pray. Period. The most powerful thing you can do is pray. Finally, like application, what do we do? Pray, right? I'm going to say this again. Pray. When I was up working at the home, I would always have, and I worked at a church, and I would have adults and kids tell me, the only time I ever seem to pray is when I'm on the toilet or in the shower. And I would tell them, that's because the only time you're willing to give to God is time that is worthless and you're doing nothing else. And now we have phones, so we have something to do on the toilet. And so America's praying time has been cut in half, conservatively, I don't know, I mean, maybe three quarters or whatever. Uh, we have to make the decision to pray. To step back and say, if I do not talk to God, I am in trouble. If I do not go to him, I will not accomplish what I need to accomplish. We have to block off time to pray. We have to wake up in the morning and pray. We have to seek him first. I remember, like, I've been here 11 years almost, and I have watched over and over again during the hot and dry seasons where I hear farmers say, I just wish it would rain. Just rain. If we looked for God and we looked for his spirit and we sought him the way we seek rain, we would change the world. Right? That's it. We need to go to him first over and over and over and over again. Like we have to block time out. We have to come out and pray as a body. We have to pray for other people. We have to go over and over again because ultimately if God isn't doing the work, Everything will go away. It will not grow. It will not happen. It will be a waste. And I'm kind of done wasting. Um, I, I want to ask you right now, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to stand up, you don't have to raise your hand, don't do any of that stuff. Do it in your heart. Ask yourself, like, am I going to pray? Tell God, I am going to pray. Ask God to teach you to pray or make you pray if you want to kick me sign. I think we have prayed a lot in the last few weeks. There are a lot of people in this church that have prayed a lot in the last few weeks because we're helpless and we can't do anything, because we're hurt and we can't do anything, because we're depressed and angry and fearful and damaged. And what else can you do but pray? The danger is when that's over, we can stop. We can't stop. I've already seen where the prayer people are putting out, like the, that effort is beginning to bring up life and bring up new stuff. And it is the most difficult and encouraging thing I've seen. And I had nothing to do with it, which is even harder. Pray. Please, please, I beg you, pray. We can learn technique, right? We can study. We can grow. You know, you get a degree in agriculture and learn how to plant properly, but we can't let that overtake God doing his thing and praying.
We cannot let it overtake our reliance on Christ, but we can learn. Um, and we can make certain that when the harvest comes, we disciple people and we provide opportunity for people to do stuff. Or when it comes about enough that we step up and act. I know I'm really long. I have no idea when I started. Um, but my challenge, my encourage, I'm begging you guys. It was 11 years ago, Titus. I'm begging you guys. We're seeing, we're seeing growth. We're seeing cool stuff. It's awesome. It's exhausting. It's miserable. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Preach the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Reach out to your brothers and sisters. Pray. Pray. Hold each other accountable. Pray. Now close in prayer. Ha ha. Heavenly Father, I pray, uh, come to you to beg you to be with us. It's hot in here and I've talked too long and I'm scattered and all over the place and I I pray, Lord God, that even though my thoughts are scattered, that as the seeds of the gospel, as the seeds of your word scattered, that they found places in hearts and people were challenged, challenged to pursue holiness, challenged to pursue intimacy, challenged to pray above all else. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to rely on you, that we would over and over again remind ourselves it doesn't matter how expensive our our equipment is, it doesn't matter how advanced our, our agricultural science is, that you provide the growth, that you are the one that, that we work for, that we are in partnership with you. We are not, we're not in control. We can do things well, but we can't do your things. And I pray that you would help us to do things well with excellence, that we would look like Christ and pursue him and make disciples and pray, but that also we would trust you. We trust you with our, our broken spots and our, our family and friends that are that are sick and dying, that we would trust you with those that are mired in sin as we pray for them and, and preach the gospel to them and, and, and weep that they would come back. Pray for these things in Christ's name. I pray that you would heal us and that you would turn us into a congregation that prays the way we look for rain, Lord. Amen. Have a good Sunday, folks.